Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker, Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. All right. So the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 39 through uh, 42. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Well, you're getting it already. And Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha. That's emphatically, that means like, Martha, I really love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth in love. Martha, Martha, kneel, kneel, your jokes. Okay. Uh, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And that's my scripture for today, and I'm sure you heard a bunch of messages based on this scripture But the Lord really put it as a burden on my heart today to share with you something and to begin with this story. It's not a complicated story, yet it unveils a very important principle, very practical truth about our life on this earth. And actually determines whether we understand or not this truth will determine the quality of life we spend on this earth for the rest of our life. So, Mary is a responsible person in this story, if you haven't noticed. It says that specifically that she actually invited Jesus into her house. So, she took an initiative. She, have you ever participated in organizing any event that involves crowds? I'm, I'm telling you, if you've never done it, you have no idea how much work it in, involves. You know, if you ever organize a big wedding or a conference, I've been involved in some of those things, the work begins way before the event begins, way, months before usually. Well, I don't know in this case, but like it was Jesus plus his 12 disciples plus a bunch of other people. So, I don't know, we're talking about, I don't know, maybe 150, maybe 200, maybe more. We don't know, but somehow she said, okay, I'll do it. Commendable, right? Yes, so she took the responsibility, and she begins to serve, and soon she begins to feel overwhelmed. She feels shorthanded, she feels like she's not getting help, and she starts getting this irritation inside of her, and finally she can't stand it no longer. I mean, the story is kind of brief, I'm kind of unpacking it to you, and she finally just had enough of it. And she goes like, okay, come on, I, time out. Time out here. My sister, I mean, 
Mary, can she see that I'm working my tail off and she doesn't seem to care? But worst of all, listen, worst of all is that Jesus doesn't seem to notice that. Jesus is oblivious of how unfair, how inconsiderate people are, how selfish they are. They enjoy this spiritual teaching, so they develop their spirituality at the cost of my labor. Do you, can you relate to her? You can actually, like, she has a point. So she finally says, it's a valid point. I'm getting filled with this righteous indignation. and I cannot hold it no longer. So she, she just intervenes, interrupts whatever was going on and says, time out. We have a crisis we need to address. We have a fire we need to put out. I mean, I'm shorthanded. Everything is falling apart. Jesus, I'm sorry. Time out. Please intervene. Do something about it. And I'm so glad this story is written because Jesus responds. He does respond. He doesn't respond to her request. He actually responds to her heart condition. Because this story is not about a crisis situation and how to handle it more efficiently. It's about two mindsets. It's about two hearts conditions. And Jesus is not... A person from Yellow Springs. Peace, you know, leave and let leave. You know, each one chooses their own way. No, he says, no, no. Mary, I love you, but I am not endorsing your mindset. Martha, thank you, Neil. I'm, you know, I'm doing the same thing that Neil does. I, I caught it from him. I'm blaming him for everything bad. No, just kidding. He gave me official permission to pick on him in the sermon, all right, so that I would spare you. So he is bearing your pain. Yeah. So Jesus is not saying, you know, live and let live. And, you know, you know, it's America. You can choose whatever. You can choose whatever. But he says, Martha, Martha, I love you. But what you, what you embraced as a lifestyle, as a way to understand life, is not what I have in mind for you. And it actually is detrimental to you. It destroys you. I want you to be free from that. So let's look. And the story is so short, but there's so much in there. So the Lord responds. And he says, Martha, Martha. Let's, let's just go and take each word apart. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. That's the condition of her heart. She's worried and she's troubled. And I actually, I love to do word study. I go to Greek. I go to Hebrew. I look at the root words. I look how else they're used. It's wonderful exercise to really, you know, expand uh, and make the meaning more dimensional. So you're worried. It can be translated as you're over anxious. And troubled is an interesting word. I wrote different synonyms that, that come from that root. Disturb greatly. Terrify, strike with panic, to be in or to make a noisy upheaval, tumult. Tumult, is that how you pronounce this English word? You know, English is not my native language. So it's like noisy, clamor, like just, you got the picture, right? So that describes what's going on inside of her. So first thing I want you to notice is in this story, 
Jesus says it's a choice. It's not something that she's born with as a disposition. It's not the way she's wired or designed by God. I have a lot of friends in ministry all over the world, in Russia, in America, in many other countries in the world. Let me tell you something. They're hiding it, but so many of them are depressed and anxious. And some of them even dare to say, oh, that's how the God, God created me. That's a big, fat lie. That's not how God created you. God has never created you to, to be swamped by anxieties and oppression and depression. Am I too heavy for you today? No? Okay. I have the, you know. Yeah. Russians are known for that. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be my best to be very American and smile a lot. And sometimes I succeed. Thank you. It's really bad, I say. I say to some people, dude, you have to smile more. And I say, you know, it's really bad when Russian tells you that. Yeah. So Jesus said that when, when he responds to that, he said, but Mary, listen, chose. So it's not something that fell on her, like, oh, I got chills. Ooh, ooh, worship is so great. No, she chose. Yes, she might have initially have this wonderful, overwhelming sensation or feeling or whatever, like, but ultimately it's your decision that will take you through life. And she made this choice, and he's saying that Martha also, this is your choice, Martha. I'm sorry to tell you that, Martha, but you chose to see life in this light. So let me try to explain what happens to, to a person who makes such choices in life. And, you know, in a sense, I don't really have to elaborate it much because I'm sorry to say that, but overwhelming majority of us are Marthas. Overwhelming majority of Christians are Marthas. Especially here in the States. Busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Okay, so I've been trying to describe it. It's a person filled with many... Uh, okay, let's... let's I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm having too many thoughts. Uh, I'm like Martha now. Okay, become Mary Dennis. So Jesus points out the fundamental difference in these two states. And he says, you chose one, she chose the other, and this other is better. And it's actually the best of God for you, for, 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 you, for Martha, for anybody. And here's what you chose. And he describes your situation as worry and anxiety about many things versus just to worry about one thing. And that's the title of my message today. I don't like to give titles ahead of time because I don't know what the Lord will put on my heart. But uh, so I, I was asked, like, and I gave the title for the message, One Thing. And that's the key to understand these two mindsets. So Jesus says that the main difference between these two mindsets, one is filled with many different things. And you know what? If you look at it, it looks like they're somewhat equally important. So it's like Mary has this big bag of stuff, of different things that she has to juggle. She has to uh, multitask. And they're kind of all important. I mean, at this moment, this would be important, but I can't really drop these. And, you know, you know what happens to this person? This person is getting to a point when he, he's 
There's so much noise inside of him. There's so many voices inside of him. There's so many contradicting messages that are being communicated at the same time, overlapping, that like he has no peace. It's a war zone. He becomes like an Atlanta airport for demons. Have you ever been to Atlanta airport? It's a big, busy place. I mean, you don't want to be there. And your inside becomes like that. Demons come and go all the time. I'm sorry to say that. I mean, that's a different teaching. Neil will develop it soon. And you'll learn more. But just wait. Stay in this church. You'll learn a lot of things about that. But it's, it's like it's a conflict. And I'm not blaming. I'm just telling how much suffering does it in, inflict. It's a torment. And it seems to be a lifestyle and mindset of many people. And unfortunately... Of many Christians. And here's Jesus' response. He says, it's a big fat lie from the pit of hell, Mary. What do you mean? This, this, is a, this is a lifestyle of a survival. This is a lifestyle of constantly putting out fires. This is a lifestyle of a war zone. This is a lifestyle. There is no peace there. This is a lifestyle where it can be no joy experienced. It's a constant survival, and you have to worry about so many things about your own life, and if you have any significant ones in your life, you have to worry about them as well. Does it like like a good life? Does it sound like a good life? Does it sound like life that the Lord created you for? No, it's not. And Jesus says, it's not, and it's your choice. And I don't want it for you, but you chose it, and I cannot over... I can't. I cannot impose my best on you because I gave you free will and you use it to choose this lifestyle because you believe some lies. Martha sees deficiencies all the time. Martha sees needs that need to be met. Martha sees burdens. Martha sees this and this and this and this and that. Mary chose a better part. Mary chose a better part. And Jesus said, you want me to take this part from here? I'm not going to. Not only so, the translation, the, the phrase is, is formed in such a way that it sounds like it's not just me that I, I'm not going to take it from here. Nobody can. As in the same room, there are two people and one sees life as a constant struggle because there's constant shortage, constant deficiency, yet there's right next to her another person that is receiving abundant supply at that very moment. So the story of Martha and Mary is not a story of Martha and Mary. It's a story of Dennis and Dennis, Neil and Neil, Mark and Mark. That's a story of Jim and Jim, Sharon and Sharon. Am I promoting some kind of schizophrenic thing? No. I'm telling you, it's your choice, and the Lord is actually giving you this choice. And don't, I'm not going to let you go today empty-handed. I'm not going to stir up this hunger and just go in peace. I'm going to give you today a specific thing that you can do to, to move 
from the place of Martha to a place of Mary. And I guarantee, I guarantee that if you start doing that, your life will, will be revolutionized. It will be transformed from within. So you have to stay here for the rest of the sermon, all right? <laughs> I'm a good salesman, maybe. I don't know. So he said, one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. So what was happening? This is the portion that I'm talking about Mary now. This is the portion based on her choice. It cannot be taken away from her. It becomes part of her. It enters into her being and builds itself into her. And now nobody can take it away from her. So instead of shortage and deficiency, there's actually supply, 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 supply. It keeps coming and becoming part of you. Nobody can take it away. Does it sound like a good news? It is a good news, people. It is a wonderful news, and it's available to us. So what was happening? Christ was speaking. Both Mary and Martha heard his voice and his words. They were in the same room. But for Martha, it was one more important thing. Yes, Jesus is important. No doubt. That's why I invited him to be here. So he's important. But there are many other important things. And basically, you know what? I, I, I couldn't help myself but to see a state of most ministries and ministers today. Because what Martha is doing, she ministers. Actually, literally, if you look at the Greek uh, New Testament, the word there is diakonoia, meaning to serve, to minister. So Mary is a minister of the Lord. She ministers to the Lord and to His people. She is burned up doing that. She's so frustrated with the situation of her ministry she sees so many needs of her ministry, and so she finally intercedes for the ministry. She, be, she, she, she offers this prayer to Lord Jesus to intervene and do something about it. And that's like 80% of today's ministries. That's exactly what's happening. Like, you just give me a map of ministries, I'll put my finger. So most likely that's what's happening there, like. It's a constant crisis, constant prayer, crying out to God to release His resources and doing this and this. Like very few ministries that you will find that are based on being Mary. And I fully trust that Neil had a very painful experience in 2012 when the Lord shook him up and said, Dude, I've had enough of you being Martha. I want you to become a Mary. And he's learning that, and he's doing that, and you should give your kudos to him for that. Because he's, he's being ushered into this reality, and he's taking you there. And this is a real good portion that cannot be taken away from you and from him. One thing is needed. So she's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, and she's just absorbing every single word that he's speaking out. Nothing exists for her at this moment. Everything ceases to exist because Jesus is there and he's speaking his living word. You know, I've been meditating about the book of Isaiah and I was reading chapter 53 last week. And it says that in Jesus there was nothing that really attracted people to him. Outwardly there was nothing. He was not impressive. He was just an average Jewish dude. But listen, when he would open his mouth and start speaking, 
something would begin to happen. Hearts of certain people would begin to resonate. And some of them, if they kept listening, they would, they would start having these strange sensations, like their heart would get expanded and the fire would start coming to them. And it would start getting, like burning inside. That's what disciples said on the road to Emmaus when they couldn't recognize Jesus, but he was speaking and they were listening. And they said, did you have that feeling like he was talking to us from scriptures and we, we, we got on fire? He said, yes, I did. How come we didn't recognize? That was what's happening. So I don't know exactly what was happening with Mary, but I know for sure a few things. For sure. She was receiving the supply of life. Life was coming into her and was feeling her being. Her mind was calming down and began to experience an amazing peace. That is not available to most people. She began to feel that God is a good God. He is a good father that really loves her. And the hope began to arise in her soul. And the joy began to bubble up from deep within. And it had nothing to do with the circumstances. It had everything to do with this man who was speaking. Because his words were getting deep into her, into her heart, and somehow kind of mysteriously joining her to the reality of what he was talking about. And that is available to you and me today. The Word of God, this book, I know many people grew up with this book and many people got bored by this book and many people, you know, but you can be Martha with this book and you can do your Bible plans and check and check and this and you can be Mary and those will be two different experiences. One will be one more important thing that I need to take care of, to take care of my spiritual life. Another would be sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving, receiving Receiving a life supply that goes down deep into my heart and begins this amazing, mysterious, transforming work and fills me with peace and joy and makes me a different person. Removes me from the war zone and gets me into a green pasture. Sila, when you're Martha, the word of God is right here. Even if you read it, when you're Mary, the Word of God is right there. When you're Martha, this is just one more important thing among many important things. When you're Mary, Jesus is speaking, and I want to absorb every single word. So each one of you, I want to leave you today with a, with a, with a very simple practice, and I don't have enough time to develop this. Unfortunately, this is a vital practice that has been used by many saints and many people of God throughout the centuries in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And it gave so much life to people and so much reality of God came into their life as a, as a result. But unfortunately, it been, it's been ab abandoned and has been forgotten. It's called meditating on the Word of God. Meditating, thinking, considering, chewing, savoring the Word of God. It's a big difference. I'm not talking about Bible reading. 
It goes without saying. And there is a time for a person, when he just became a Christian, there is a time you just need to get acquainted with the Word, with, with, like, with what it says. It's, it's, it's a necessary step, but you can't stay there. You need to, you need to learn to meditate on the Word of God because that's how it penetrates your heart. It goes from your mind into your heart and begins to take root. The Word of God is a living seed that has all the power, but you know, nothing is going to happen to a seed unless it gets into the fertile ground, soil. And the Bible calls your heart such a soil. And the Bible says you got to watch your heart because the issues of life are coming from there. And that's why I call this story not just a story about Martha and Mary, but about two conditions of hearts and mindsets. And the good, good news is it's a choice, Jesus said. And he's telling you which choice he would prefer you to make based on that story. And I'm going to read you a scripture that you all know, Matthew 6, 24 through 33. It really echoes what we see in this story. No one can, and I'm using ESV as a translation for this one, no one can serve, Matthew 6, 24, 33, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. So how many is many? Jesus said, you're thinking and worrying about too many things, and one thing is needed. How many is many? Two. Two is already too many. You know that until 20th century, the word priority was only singular in English language? There were no priorities. It came from Latin, prior means before everything else. So there is one thing and everything else. Only in 20th century, we started like, okay, we got to have your priorities right. No, there's only one priority. Okay. Don't be too smart to tell it to other people, but I'm just telling you that I, I just read it when I was doing my taxes. There was a book. I looked it up and I said, before 20th century. Oh, interesting. So how many is too many? Two is already too many. One thing is necessary. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, so he says, you cannot serve God and money. And you can actually fill the blank. You know, it doesn't have to be money, but money seems to be big in America. So you cannot serve God and money. You, you cannot juggle. You cannot multitasking that. So you're either going to serve one or the other. All right? We established that. I'm sorry. That's what the Word of God says. If you don't like it, do something about it. Therefore, I tell you, he said, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, at what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, listen, what happens to birds? Yet your heavenly father, your heavenly father feeds them. People who are far from nature. I was a city slicker from a big city of six million. I don't see many birds you know, I moved here and I looked at the birds and I had to fight with birds because they were building nests in my house all the time, like in the spots that you're, they're not supposed to have nests. So I looked at the birds and I said, Lord, they work hard, but they're not anxious. 
They're not like going, oh my goodness, will I have like stuff to eat today? Will I have like stuff to build my little nest today? They just do what they're supposed to do and they enjoy life and they sing praises to God. That's a little lesson from a little bird that will transform your life. Work hard, but don't be anxious, all right? Look at the birds of the air. And he says, your father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Are you? I'm sure, you, you know, I'm not guessing, I know. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to, the span of his, to, to his span of his life? To, to his span of life. He, he's implying logic here. Like, guys, like, don't be irrational. Just, how's it working for you being anxious? Is it helping things? No. Uh, and he said the same thing about clothing. What are you anxious? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Or you, or you of little faith. So what is the worrying and, and, and anxieties are? They are expression of you not trusting the Lord. I'm not apologizing for that. I'm preaching to myself. Don't worry. I'm not being self-righteous like I'm going to thump you with the Bible. And... No. No. It's a common thing. It's a prevailing attitude. He says, he says, Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, who are Gentiles? Gentiles, well, some people raise their hands. No, you're not. I'm sorry. I'm going to like correct you here. You're not Gentiles. Gentiles are people who are not in covenant relationship with the Lord. They have no access to, know, to the true knowledge of who God is, and what He wants, and what He is about, what He wants for you. You are not a Gentile. You have this word, you've been baptized, you're going, you're not a Gentile, so don't be like a Gentile. He said, that's how Gentiles live, he says. Gentiles seek after all these things. What things? Clothing, like financial stability and sustainability and all of that. And they worry about it. He says, Gentiles seek after these things and your Heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need all of them. But, and here comes the punchline. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. One thing is needed. But what one thing is needed. Seek first the kingdom of God. How do you seek first the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is where the king is. And the king wants to speak. And he speaks. And I, I, I like... What, what's the Christmas story expression? I double, triple, dog, dare you, or something like that. I do that to you today. Make a choice to let the Word of Christ truly dwell in you. Not just, not just put it here, but dwell in you richly. And one of the ways that you can do it, actually, is when you can get home... And you don't have to spend hours. You would say, oh, dude, you don't know my schedule. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know how many things I have to worry about. 
I'm telling you, we're talking about you stop being Martha and becoming a Mary. So please, push the reset button. Whatever your attitude towards, towards the Bible is today, push your reset button. Take the dust off and say, Lord, maybe you're reading it every day, but maybe you're reading it as Martha. But you say, Lord, I want to begin to receive life supply from this word. All scripture is God's breathed. That means God put his spirit in it. I want, to, I want to experience the release of this spirit in my spirit. Teach me how to do it. And I'm telling you, one of the best ways, and I'm repeating myself now, I'm finishing, is meditating on the word of God. You take any scripture, and here, here's the key. Don't stillness. Being still. Finding peace is the key. Calm down. Because some people say, i got to pray, i got to pray, i got to pray. Your prayer in this condition doesn't do much good. You're better off not praying, actually. Because Martha prayed in the middle of this story. The best prayer comes from the heart that received the revelation from the Lord. You actually, Holy Spirit begins to pray through you what the Father's will for your life is. And when that happens, things happen. So... In a sense, I kind of took a little break from our series of messages, but I'm not. Because what happens to a person who lives under this attitude of Martha, the capacity to carry the presence of God for such a person is very limited. He is self-absorbed. He is self-absorbed by, and he's, he's overwhelmed by his life situations. And he, he, he and she cannot literally do much to extend the kingdom of God on this earth. The kingdom of God is not food or drink. It's righteousness. What is righteousness? So when you begin to do that, you will come to know more and more how good the Lord is. You know, righteousness means that you have nothing between you and the Lord. He has nothing to tell you against you. He is a good father that is, has an open embrace for you that you can enjoy. And you begin to believe it. You know what happens. You begin to smile more. You begin to, to enjoy life more. You begin to relax. And the peace comes. Because now you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Because you are relying on the words that God speaks about you in his word. And he says, you are my good pleasure. I created you. You're not an accident. Before the foundations of the world, that means before he said, let there be light, let there be heaven and earth, he already saw you and he chose you. Just that one thought can like blow your mind and explode you with joy and hope. So you begin to have this, this righteousness, nothing between you and God because what Jesus has done. You begin to experience peace. You don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. And you don't have to blame anyone or anything for anything. You take responsibility for your life and you're grateful. And the joy begins to come. You know what joy, how joy is produced in your life? My buzzer tells me I'm about to wrap up. The joy comes from looking forward to better things. You know? And it's not being delusional. It's like... I enjoy this life, Lord. But I know you're so good that every single time, I, 
like time passes in your presence, there are better things. There are better things. You know, the goodness of God is so great that it will take eternity to unfold it. And it began now. So you, you, you stop looking at your circumstances as something that determines who you are and how you live. You begin to tap onto a different source. I, I, I said enough, and you know I'm tempted to use excuse that I didn't sleep enough, but please, please listen to me. Many of you, if not most of you, spend most of your life like Martha's. Even if you're involved in like service and ministry and good works for the Lord and His people, He's not endorsing that if you do it with Martha's heart. It's got to flow out of the place of peace, joy, righteousness, and revelation of who God is through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.